Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. Reading God's word. Thank you. Thanks for your grace as we continue to kind of manage the changes here. Just so you know, we've gone up from, we started about 140 40-ish chairs in this room. We're currently at about 185. So this is probably about the most we're going to put in. We, we want to keep aisles everywhere. There's going to be an extra about 60 chairs or so initially in that Cafe 2, the gathering place we're calling it. There'll be a live stream feed. So feel free that will be a little bit quieter. I know for some of you, just the, the lack of... Uh, light and uh, natural light and the lack of uh, the sound bounce can be a little much. Cafe, I think, will be a little less for that. So just find your way and choose the scenario that best kind of helps you to worship and suit you. And thank you for your grace as we continue. This morning as we do communion and prayer time, again, we're trying to figure out how we do this. So thank you for your grace. And in a month or two, I think we'll have a flow better. Just a quick reminder of two dates coming up. One is the 21st of October. After the service, we are going to invite everyone to go over about seven or eight minutes from here to our land and to pray with us right after the service on the land. And so we would love everyone that's here to be able, it won't be long, but we'd love everyone here to be able to do that. The following week, the 28th, we, we have asked you to these Building Hope cards. Um, we're going to collect those, and then we will have an idea of the money we have available for that. And we'll in two weeks, we'll talk a bit more about this. But I know it may seem like, well, you've talked a lot about it. But I had somebody the other week say, are you all collecting money for something, you know, like a building project or something? So, again, it's it's... You know, just people get the word different ways at different times. So if this seems too much, again, thanks for your grace. Haymarket Day is this coming Saturday, so six days from now. Hopefully the rain will be passed through for that. Living Hope does have a booth. We pass out Bibles and we give water and just try to bless people there. So if you're at Haymarket Day and either want to work, come to the booth for a little while, work at the booth for a little while, please see, is it Allison or Jill coordinating that? So Jill Moser, our administrator, is coordinating that. Um, if you got your Bible, would you open to Ecclesiastes 5? Last week I did a standalone sermon talking about peace in the storm and of storms revealing the kind of God that we serve, the one 
revealed in Jesus and how the disciples got a clearer picture of that. This morning, we're returning to the book of Ecclesiastes. We've been in this for about five or six weeks now. This is a book of wisdom literature. So just to review quickly, this is a book you don't take each verse of wisdom literature and claim it as a promise. Wisdom literature is intended to help us become discerning, mature people in our thinking, to give us a biblical worldview. That's what wisdom literature does. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, Song of Solomon, Psalms, they're not meant to necessarily, as the epistles or the gospels would, be always promises to claim in every situation. These are things to help us be people who talks about fear the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. And we've talked about fearing the Lord being that continual awareness that we live in the presence of a holy, just, and almighty God. If you have a continuing awareness of that, that God is present with you and this is the kind of God he is, you will live in the fear of him. So as we continue on with this, 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 uh, these scriptures we're looking today, remember that these are, this is wisdom literature. Most of Ecclesiastes up to this point has told us what not to do. Vanity of vanities, futility of futilities. If you live like this, if you live with a mind to defining yourself through your success, through your money, your achievement, your marriage, your family structure or life, your power base, working hard, being a slacker, whatever it is. However, those those are all temporal things that are going to pass away. So he goes through all these things, and now he's beginning to come to some of the things that we do that actually make us people that endure, people whose lives are meaningful. So we've looked at kind of the negative first. Now, the preacher, the the writer of this book, has given us a little hint of that. He's talked about in chapter 3 that God put eternity into our hearts and that all the work of the Lord endures forever. And then he continues to contrast it with, look, as people, all these things you do, you, you try to build up your bank account or your lack of bank account. You try to build up your uh, your resume. And he says, it's all, it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. So it, in one sense, you can say, well, what the heck? Why should I do anything if it's all meaningless? And then he says, no, but you should find great joy in the simple things of life, of working hard, of, of uh, enjoying life with your friends. So, so which is it? And what we talked about two weeks ago was that in relationship, we find this strong cord. We talked about a, a braided cord and how in relationship that God built us with, we begin to find enduring meaning. And so where is this, how can we both have uh, enduring meaning and avoid the meaninglessness of striving and striving and finding our essence in something that's not going to last? And what we see is in Jesus, we find a human who everything he did lasts forever because it says he saw what his father was doing and that's what he did. And see, here's the thing, guys, you and I can do that as well. We can see what God's about. And we can partner with him and we can also step into that and become, have lives that are more meaningful. So now with that as kind of the weave, weaving in. So we talked about the weaving of relationships. And if you'll back up, turn to Ecclesiastes 5. And I will actually want you to back into the very last part of Ecclesiastes 4. 
Because a second point he makes about things that are meaningful and going to last forever. The first we talked about is the weaving of relationships, both with God and others. So that's how we sort of left off. So if you were following along, that's what we left off two weeks ago. Verse 13 of chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes says this, Better is a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been born poor. This is commending to us the ability to be teachable. I just want to say really quickly, I'm going to, this is, this point is going to be over about as quick as it starts. Humility and teachability is one of the key marks of maturity. How many of you all think, don't, don't shout it out loud, but how many of you all have someone in mind that if you thought, I really want to be able to tell them in love, you're not mad at them, but you want to be able to tell them, a relative or a friend, something they do that they really need to change? But you would rather scrape your eyeballs out with a rusty spoon because you know what's coming. If you would say to them, you know what, you, you're not sensitive in these situations or you need to not post that on Facebook or, or you need to not do this or that, you, you know what's coming. You know you need to say it, but you know this person doesn't have a teachable spirit it, it they, they think they are they think they're doing it right anybody know any don't raise your hand please but anybody know anybody like that i'll just raise it for everybody because pretty much we all know and you know what sometimes we're like that we are please the bible says it's better to be a poor youth than be one who can't who thinks you already know here's the little secret you don't and i don't I don't care how mature you are. The most mature people I know are the ones when I have to say something to them, their response is, thank you so much for telling me. And here's the thing that's amazing is we don't think less of them, do we, when they do that, when they show the humility to say, you're right, I I, I probably shouldn't do that. And we're so much more likely to have a relationship with them that is open and honest And so, how do you develop that? There's no formula. (laughs) It's maturity in the Lord. It is, that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Humility is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that's what teachability ultimately is, is humility. Can I just ask you to make that part of your prayers to, Lord, would you make me a teachable person? And that leads right to our second point which is this, this beginning of verse 5, guard your steps when you go to the house of God, chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Again, coming off of this teachability thing, you can't be teachable unless you listen. This wisdom literature is part of a larger framework of the importance of our words and the importance of limiting our words, first in terms of in, in God's when we're with the Lord, and then it spills over into the rest of our lives. Here's what I mean by that. Wisdom literature, again, is not a, well, does this mean every time I come before the Lord, I should not never say anything? No. The, the, the Psalms say, pour out your complaint before the Lord. I mean, the Psalms are full of, and Proverbs, and even Ecclesiastes about talking to God. So it doesn't mean we never do it. For most of us, that's not our problem. 
When I was young, my, uh, my parents had a friend named George, and George, I was very impressed because George worked for NASA, so I thought he was an astronaut, but George just, but he was a very smart guy. He also happened to be ordained a priest, uh, and he was a, a little quirky, but very, very, very smart. And I remember George came over to dinner at my parents' house, and I was young, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, and I, um, so everybody to me was just very old. Anybody over 30 was really old, and George was really old. And so they said, my parents said, uh, George, would you say the blessing? Would you, would you pray? Would you, would you pray? And George, in his sort of quirky way, said, oh, I, I'd love to pray. No joke. About two minutes later, there's not been a sound made. Now, five seconds, we had a little bit of... I don't have two minutes in the sermon, but believe me, if I had not said anything for two minutes, you'd feel as awkward as I did 40 years ago or 50 years ago when I was sitting in that room. I think my parents even felt a little awkward about it. It was complete silence. So what do you do at that point? You've asked the guest to pray. He said, oh, I'd love to. And then he bows and he says nothing. Went on. And for me, at I mean, my life was wasting in front of me as a young person. I was just, yeah, I don't know how long it went on. And then he said, and thank you, Lord. And he looked it up. I'm like, okay. And, and so my parents are pretty gracious. And they said, that was, that was a nice prayer. And he said, and I've never forgotten this. Obviously, I've never forgotten this. He said, well, you know, for me, prayer is all about listening because I figure what he has to say to me is tons more important than what I say to him. Well, that's, that's cool. But it begged the second question, which was, when I'm silent, I don't hear anything. As a young person, I remember thinking, well, that's great, but you must be hearing something I ain't hearing because all I heard was nothing. And this leads on the greatest journey you will ever go on in your whole life as a human being in your walk with God is hearing and understanding the voice of the Lord. It is a process. And any of you that think, well, I just, you know, oh, yeah, I just be quiet and God speaks to me. And any, all of us start with, well, I don't hear anything. I was a youth pastor for many years, my wife, and this is the question. And we'd always say, well, you know, take a piece of paper and go off and hear the voice of the Lord. And, you know, every sixth grader we ever had come up said, well, I didn't hear anything. Say, exactly, right? So now we're going to go on the journey of how do I hear and know the voice of the Lord? And this is what Ecclesiastes 5, I think, is beginning to get at. What I learned from George, the quirky NASA guy, and what I learned from watching this process in my own life and in the life of others. So let me give you three things. There's no formulas. Let me give you three things I've learned in 42 years of trying to continue to hear the voice of the Lord, which I still do in fits and starts. Better now than 42 years ago, but still learning. Okay. Number one, guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Here's a better reading. I was, I was looking at the, um, at the Hebrew of that and just trying, because it, the way that's translated, I wasn't sure what to do with that. Let me kind of take it word for word with my, and this isn't some 
magic thing. I just tried to make it a little more relevant uh, with being very careful to stay with the Hebrew words. With care, or prudently, with care come into God's presence. Come close initially to hear rather than give the fool's sacrifice of just starting to talk with many and meaningless words because that's of no value. With care, come into the presence of God. So I don't know what you're like when you come either for corporate worship on Sundays or if you have a daily time. If you don't have a daily time with God, may I humbly suggest that would be a great way to begin to hear God's voice. Any of you have a daily time with your children or your spouse or your friends or your coworkers because you're not going to know their voice either. And you say, well, I hear them talk and I'm trying to sort of not because they talk too much or I'm not whatever. How many times have you heard it said? And yes, guys, probably more than women, but everybody, you're just not hearing me. Ever had that said to you, gentlemen? Anybody ever had that? You're just not hearing what I'm saying. How many of you know it's possible to listen to the actual sounds or hitting your eardrums, right? This is why the counseling profession exists, because we don't hear what each other are saying. Right, Christine? We don't hear. You don't. We hear. We hear it, but we don't hear it. We're not listening. Guard your steps when you come into God's presence. So let me suggest is that if there's no anticipation that God will speak to you and that you feel you can come into God's presence with your hidden sins that you know are there and you're practicing and God doesn't really care about those, you can do whatever you darn well please and God will speak to you anyway. You don't understand the holiness, the justice, the goodness of God. Because what He wants is for you to come freely into His presence but acknowledging that what he has to say to you is life-changing. And it's not to be taken casually. And so we, we're careful as we come into God's presence to take him at his word and to take seriously what he might say to us. If you don't want to hear what he has to say, don't ask. And if you already think you know what he's going to say to you, <laughs> it's that's foolish. Let me just say that's just like when you come in with your family members and you already know what they're going to say. Talk about shutting down communication. There's a lot of parallels in this, and while the preacher in Ecclesiastes is dealing with his context, is dealing with those who would come to the temple to worship, because remember, the Holy Spirit was not yet given widely in the souls of men and women as it is now. Pentecost hadn't come yet. So it's a different model because you came to the temple. You came to, and you couldn't even come into the, the inner courts where the presence of God was. The word was delivered in a different way. So we can not only have some context here, but we can also look at how this applies to our own ability to walk with God, but also with others. So first thing I've learned is that if I don't anticipate God will speak, and if I come in casually, I likely will miss so if you don't believe God will speak to you, you're already, you've already cut the knees out from under what Scripture teaches. God speaks. He speaks. He spe and here are some ways He speaks. He speaks through His Word. Okay, I, I think many of us would know that. But He, uh, and I say this casually, it, it's more He 
uses this word to also enliven our spirits and minds that the Holy Spirit can quick, what I call quicken and make real to you. Because I think God has an opinion on a lot of things in our life. But you won't find in this book whether you should buy house A or house B. And in one sense, it, it, it doesn't matter because you can honor God in house A or house B. But if you have a decision to make, and it's a neutral decision, if you have a decision to make and you're asking God, well, God, should I commit adultery or not? The word speaks pretty clearly as to what you should do. So you can't rewrite Scripture. And there are people today who would love to rewrite Scripture on all sorts of things. But the Scripture is clear. But there are many decisions that the Holy Spirit will need to quicken to you. Should I take this job or not? Should I go A or B? And it's, it's, it's not like a scriptural decision, a Ten Commandments kind of decision. So what we do is we become sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's not equivalent with Scripture. It doesn't mean, well, Scripture says one thing and the voice inside me says another. But we can become, Jesus was attuned to the way the Spirit guided him to live. So going back to here, it says, draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. So here's the prayer that, I've, that I pray now and often will pray. God, please show me where you are in this. And then be quiet. Lord, please show me where you are in this. If you believe that God is with you, that he is in that fear of the Lord sense that we've talked about, that he is constantly in a continual awareness that we live in the presence of a holy, just, and almighty God, and he is a God that speaks. Third thing I've learned, he rarely speaks while I'm talking. God for whatever reason, doesn't shout me down. This is why I think that the, the preacher, the, the narrator of this book, the writer says, you don't know that you're doing, it says evil, the word there, ra, in, in Hebrew could be translated foolishness, meaninglessness, um, bad, not productive. So sometimes we think of evil and it, it can mean evil, but just continuing to talk. So here's what happens sometimes. I've heard, and I've done this. We have a need. We come to God. God, I just, I just don't know what to do. I'm just so frustrated with, you know, we'll just make it up. I'll just say, I'll call her Nancy. <laughs> I just don't know what to do. I'm so frustrated. I don't, it's nobody you know. It's nobody you know. It's just somebody. So, um, you know, I'm just so frustrated. I just, I don't know what to do. Would you please help me? I, she does this and drives me crazy. Oh, man, I feel so much better. I'm so, I hear people pray. We get together, we pray, and we just, we just pray. And this is foolish. It's foolish for me to do this. God, I'm really getting irritated by this. Would you show me? Where are you? Where are you in this situation? And then, and here's the hard part for all of us 20th century folks, 21st century, whatever century you live in. Be quiet. Take the two stinking minutes of silence if you can stand it. Better take five or ten or fifteen. I challenge you to sit in silence. Turn off your video game. Turn off your phone. Put it on silence. Get away from 
if you can't, if, if there's no place in your house where there aren't beeps to interrupt you of some sort or another, then go outside. Go somewhere and see if you actually can hear the voice of the Lord and start writing. This is the fourth thing I've learned is please write stuff down. Even if you're not even sure if it's from God or not, just take a blank piece of paper and just, God, where are you in this? You can pour out your complaint before Him for a minute, but take ten minutes of silence for every minute you pour out a complaint and see what happens. Begin to ask, Lord, what does your word say to me in this? What does your, because this is why I think I don't want an answer sometimes, because I don't even listen. What the Bible says is a wise person who wants to endure forever listens. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God, the presence of God. When you go to the Lord for your needs, to the throne of grace in time of need, draw near to listen. That's better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. That many word, they don't know they're doing the wrong thing. Don't be rash with your mouth. Don't let your heart be hasty to utter words before God. He's in heaven. You're on earth. Let your words be few. What good counsel. I said this before, but this I, I sort of bookend with this. The, the amazing thing is when I listen, he tends to speak. Finally, I'm going to jump to the New Testament here for just a minute. The Bible says in the book of Romans that people, as a rule, should be able to use our eyes to see creation and to conclude that there is a God, there is a creator. That's Romans 1. Basically, if you you know, see the, everything and the way things pull together, you should think this isn't random. That's what the Bible teaches. But that does not give us the gospel. That just gives you a sense that there's a creator, there's something. There's a lot of ways to sculpt that story. In Romans 10, it says this, very interestingly. Faith comes by, what, you know, hearing. Not by seeing. Interestingly enough, faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the Word of God. Not faith comes by just the Word of God, just even reading it. I think there's something to be said for hearing it and not simply the words hitting your eardrums. It's what we've just talked about. Faith comes by hearing and you don't hear well when you're talking. So, I won't title this sermon, Shut Up. Because I don't like those words. We never used it in our household. But because it's vernacular for us, if you have to remember something about this in God's presence, would you be still and quiet for a bit if that's not your practice? For some of you, it is your practice. Here's the last thing I want to say about this. is that The main reason I struggle with this in many is that our time has been divided up in a way that get, leaves us no margin to do this. Because we, we got other things. And again, a lot of those are good things. I'm not saying. I know some of y'all are really, really busy. I don't know how else to say it except if you want to grow in Jesus Christ and to be the kind of Christian 
who walks with God in a mature way, you've got to make room in your schedule for this. That's just, there's no other way around it. Um, it just is. And if it's, I, I know it's, it, practice may be difficult. If he starts with five minutes, praise the Lord for five minutes. Um, you'll be surprised what he will say. You'll be surprised at how he will speak. We'll talk a little more about this because the, the preacher of Ecclesiastes does in a couple of weeks. But let me just challenge you over this next few weeks. Would you try to see what happens when you be silent, when you come with care into the presence of God and draw near to listen rather than to speak? Thank you, Lord, for your word to us. Thank you for the way you move so mightily in our lives. Lord, it's in a world where silence is in many ways being replaced by a thousand noises. We ask that we would become a people so countercultural that we would be a people who would not just be in silence, but we would relish the silence that allows the God who is there to speak. Teach us how to understand the voice of your Holy Spirit. Teach us how to hear from your word, to let it quicken, to come alive to us, to speak into our situations. Lord, right now, I know there are people in this room who so need your word to speak into situations where relationships are so broken or are breaking at the breaking point and they need you to speak in. Lord, I I know there are people whose faith is right on the edge of being broken and they need to hear a word from you that you're really there. They hear me say it, but it's not enough. We need to hear you say that you're there. And we need so much to hear you say that you love us. No matter what we've done, that there's no sin too great, Lord, for you to overcome if we're willing to turn and repent. So, Lord, we give you a minute of silence now, just a moment, Lord, to speak into our lives. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took a cup of wine. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood. It's shed for you. And for many, for the forgiveness of sins. This is the new covenant. As often as you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. When we eat the bread and drink the wine, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, help us to examine ourselves, to, to confess sin that we know is there, to receive forgiveness, to enter in to this shared meal that we need you. We need to partake of you. We need your life inside of us. 
We thank you for these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.